reminding us that more is needed than just good information. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. We could be known as the theologically perfect church, and every message is like going to seminary and never have a life change. Churches like that are still filled with broken marriages. They're still filled with hurting kids. They're still filled with grief and difficulty, even though they might have all the T's crossed and all the I's dotted, because it's not just information. It's transformation. The Word and the Spirit. The Spirit of God and the Word. And you can just know where you land in all of it by how much you argue with people about things that don't matter. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. Someone has well said, if you preach to the hurting, you'll never lack an audience. But you'll want to make sure you point them to one who can really help. That's Jesus, of course. Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We've just begun a study in Hebrews, and if you'll recall, its theme is Jesus is better than religion. He's the substance as opposed to the shadow. Here to begin with a word about debate and a caution not to miss the point is Pastor Ed. And as we come to Hebrews, there is much debate, and even there is today, over so many things related to Hebrews, which is unfortunate, because whenever we choose to argue about something, we almost always lose the significance of what we're arguing about. I mean, think about some things in your life, some arguments that you get into that at the end of them, you kind of get to the place, even, you know, this happens a lot in marriage, where we're arguing, 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 and at the end of it, we're like, what were we arguing about? I don't know. We lost, it got lost. And all, you know, we were, we were so caught up in trying to make our point and so caught up in trying to win that point that we forgot exactly what was the point. And that's so true in the body of Christ. That, you know, one other, if you want to jot it down, another big argument about the book of Hebrews is who wrote it? Who wrote the book of Hebrews? Debates rage throughout Christianity on who might be, and so many options are involved. You know, some people think Peter, some people think Apollo, some people think Barnabas, Paul, others. But in reality, it doesn't matter which human author, because we know ultimately that the author of the scriptures is who? God himself. So whatever human instrument that he chose to inspire the book for us today is really secondary to remembering that God is the author of the Scriptures, not man. We know that God used a believer under divine inspiration to write a note of encouragement and correction to a suffering, persecuted group of Jews somewhere outside of Israel. God is the author of Scriptures, not man. You see, the Bible itself is an autobiography of God. It's his revelation of who he is. It was intended for us to get to know him better so that we might trust him more and enjoy intimacy and relationship with him. See, from Genesis to Revelation, God is revealing himself. We know God only because he's revealed himself. If God never chose to reveal himself, we wouldn't know him. We would only have hints of who he is. 
through creation, through conscience, through the law, the legal system, understanding right and wrong. When Jesus spoke of the one that would betray him in chapter 13 of John, he appealed to the Scriptures. Notice, listen, in John 13, verse 18, I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I've chosen, but that the Scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me, and now I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. The Scriptures were written. Jesus says something ahead of time. Why? So that when you hear it, you will what? Let me read it to you again. Now I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass that you may believe that I am he. So the Scriptures were written ahead of time, beforehand, and Jesus predicted something ahead of time and beforehand so that when it does happen and when you do hear of it happening, you will believe. That's the whole essence of the Scriptures, to build your faith so that you'll believe, that you won't believe in some man, you won't believe in some religion, you won't believe in some system. The Scriptures were written ahead of time so that when it comes to pass, you'll believe. That's why Paul would say in another place, and again, even though we refer to the human authors, we're always referring, the Bible says, God writes through the human instruments. That's why he writes when he's writing to the Romans. He says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith and belief, they're synonyms. And it's the word of God that builds our faith through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's an important statement that Jesus makes here. He's telling us that he trusted the scriptures and believed in them. Today we refer to the scriptures as the Bible. And we believe, as Jesus did, in the authority, the inerrancy, and the plenary infallibility of the Holy Scriptures, that you can trust the translation of the Bible that you have in your hands today. And while many treat the Bible with reverence and awe, only true believers of Jesus submit their lives to the very teachings. Only true followers of Jesus allow this book to dictate the direction of their lives so that when they come to, to a crossroads in their life and a difficulty in their life and they come to a question in their life, when we come to these things and we open up the Bible, we simply say, whatever the Bible says will overrule me. That's the pathway of truth. Otherwise, otherwise, for those of you that are, really aren't willing to let the Bible rule your life, that aren't willing for the revelation of God to direct your life. You're creating your own religion that supersedes the, the words of God. Who wrote the Bible? God. So many are quick to dismiss as you're sharing with people, you know, they'll say, uh, you know, only men wrote the Bible. And they get this picture of, of uh, you know, five or six men around a campfire writing the Bible. But it's so impossible for that to be to, be, to take place. As we learned previously in many different studies, the Bible says in, of itself, it's, a, it's quite the claim, isn't it? In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, fully equipped for every good work. How much of the Bible was written by God? All of it. And it's all profitable. All of it, the, the parts that you are able to understand right away and the parts that cause a little digging 
and a little concern and questions from Genesis to Revelation, what we refer to as the Old Testament and the New Testament, the black letters, the red letters. Do you know there's actually a movement today that says that the red letters are more important than the black letters in the Bible. But you know that the red letters were invented from some guy to help you understand that Jesus was speaking at that point. The Bible is the Bible, and it's valuable. There are greater movements. There's even a larger movement that says, you know what, we're a New Testament church. And what they mean by that is, we only study the New Testament and have no time for the Old Testament. Here's the problem. The entire Bible is inspired by God. And listen, let me just tell you right now. You will never fully understand the New Covenant until you understand the Old Covenant. You won't understand. You're like, what is this? What are the frame of references? As you read through, just if you still doubt me, or you're listening, and you're, we, we were a church like that, and you still, you're listening on the radio right now, and you're wondering, wait a minute, if you, if you doubt this, open up the book of Matthew and just simply count how many times in order to assert his authority in teaching, Jesus, he quotes the Old Testament. Jesus, because of great value to him. Say, oh, it's one unit, complete, 40 different authors over a span of 1,600 years. That would be one long campfire meeting, 1,600 years. David was a king, Moses a shepherd, Joshua a military general, Luke was a doctor, Matthew a tax collector. They wrote in three different languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, on three different continents. And so endless arguments have been offered for the author of the book of Hebrews. But if you jump into the argument and stay there, even if we were to know the exact author of Hebrews, even if we knew if God gave us a divine revelation today of exactly who wrote Hebrews, it still will get you nowhere in your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a secondary thing. It's not as important as you think it is. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7, Paul's writing to young Timothy, and he describes a people like this. Listen, a people that are always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just always learning, always into some new thing, always starting some new debate, starting some new podcast to make your point and argue with this. Listen, as one author put it, Michael Wells, and I quote, much knowledge has no practical application to the hearer's lives. As I look at my study Bible, I notice that there's one full page devoted to the authorship of Isaiah. Was it one author or two? There's another page devoted to the authorship of Hebrews. Was it Paul or Barnabas? Considerable time was spent on the research, and no doubt the most brilliant scholars were utilized. But why? Are these things that concern the defeated who are in bondage? Do they carry significance for the oppressed Christian in China, the brother imprisoned in Nepal for baptizing a man, the Indian sister who does not have a meal this night, or even for you? Let me ask that again. Are these the things, the author of Hebrews or the author of Isaiah, do they carry significance for the oppressed Christian in China today? Do they carry significance for the brother imprisoned in Nepal for baptizing a man? Do they carry significance for the Indian sister who does not have a meal this night? Does it carry significance for you? I mean, if you were able to leave here today 
and the revelation of God just, just totally says, now you know um, Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. How's that going to change your life? What will it do to change your life? I mean, it's good to know, and the study is good, but why? Why? Why the debates and why the arguments? He goes on to say, the church is cluttered. Listen, this is what caught my eye in the quote. The church is cluttered with shipwrecked scholars who thought the Bible was written for understanding and did not recognize it was written to give life. The church is cluttered with shipwrecked scholars. And I would even say this, shipwrecked pretend scholars as well who are so caught up in knowledge and forget that knowledge puffs up, but it's love that edifies. Now, I spent a lot of time looking at this, and I've come to conclusions, but I know this conclusion is more important, and that is when we come to the Word of God, we come for life. We come for life. We open it to hear from our Father. We open the Bible so that we might grow in His Son. We turn to the Scriptures so we might be reminded of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We're not only interested in information. So we want to balance this teaching because we're not anti-information. You know, if the Bible study comes to you today from someone that spends most of their life studying the Bible... I mean, that, that's where most of my, especially now when it comes to Hebrews, this is no easy book to study, let me tell you. When we're going through John, it was narrative, and we could follow along like we were following Jesus, but Hebrews is a little tougher to study. And so I'm not anti-information, and I'm not anti-getting to the root of the matter and the truth, because it's the truth that'll set you free. But how many, even you listening to me today, are so caught up in information, but you live a defeated, discouraged life that does not reflect the power of God in your life. You're not experiencing the abundance of life that Jesus promised. Jesus promised abundant life. The church can't give that to you. A pastor can't give that to you. Jesus said that I want to give you rest for your souls. And so what I find is a lot of folks are caught up in knowledge, always learning, always learning, and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. You know, test me on this, would you, church? Test me on it. Decide this week to go down to one of the hospitals that's closest to you, or one of the convalescent homes that's right around the corner from your house. And go in and say, I'm a, I'm a person that loves God. And carry your Bible with you and say, I would just like to visit anybody that wants a visitor, anyone that doesn't have family, Anyone that's alone, and you know the nurses, they'll tell you who hasn't gotten any visitors. You'd be surprised how many open doors will be if you just walk through the door. How many people in the hospital are waiting for you? And come to them and say, I just studied, you know, we just study as a church. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. We just study in the church, and we went through all of the things about the author of Hebrews, and I just want you to know, sick one today, I just want you to know, lonely one today, I just want you to know, just so you can have a nice, peaceful sleep, that so-and-so is the author. Where do you think that's going to lead? How much hope are you going to bring to a person's life? But open up the Bible and say, you know, God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son 
that today if you'd believe in him, you wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. And so they come back to you and they say, prove it to me. Prove it to me. And you say, well, one of the proofs I have for you today is that I'm here right now. And I'm here right now because God told me to be here. And you know how you've been waiting for a visitor for a long time and you've pretty much given up on visitors. And here God is showing you how much he loves you because I'm sitting right, right next to you at your bedside. And by the way, Paul's the author of Hebrews or whatever, you know. Like what difference does it make? You see, we're in the last days. We're in the last days. And we can't value knowledge over love. We're not going to be anti-knowledge. We're not in a sense where we don't want to get to the root of things. But we also want to be at the place where there are some things that are just going to be unanswerable. And if you argue about them the rest of your life, at the end of your life, you're going to look back and see what a waste. God hasn't called us to argue. He's called us to love. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and there is freedom. The Bible was given for life, gang. It was given for your life, that you might live an abundant life. We can't just be interested in information alone, but we have to be open for transformation. Even as Marie and I were talking today about some things, we were reminded that God is transforming us by what? The renewing of our mind. They both come together. He's transforming us. There's an inward change going on in our lives. And arguing and fighting about things are just not going to get you where you think you need to go. And there isn't going to be life being lived in your particular home. Nothing less will do but transformation. We can know a million things correctly, but never be touched or changed by God. We could be known as we are the theologically perfect church and every message is like going to seminary and never have a life change. Churches like that are still filled with broken marriages. They're still filled with, with hurting kids. They're still filled with grief and difficulty, even though they might have all the T's crossed and all the I's dotted, because it's not just information. It's transformation. The Word and the Spirit. The Spirit of God and the Word. And you can just know where you land in all of it by how much you argue with people about things that don't matter. Things that don't matter. You take this view over here and this view over here and you argue. I'm not speaking about taking a stand and a theological stand and just saying that's who I am. That's okay. We're, gonna, we're different and we're going to view things. One of the surprises of heaven is in the instant we wake up in his presence, he's going to explain it all to us and I think our response is going to be, oh man, that's good. I wish I would have got that when I was living. That's good, Lord. You're good. He's going to clear all that stuff up for us. You see, the error of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and every subsection of religion is this area. It's religion. It's shadows. It's rituals that we can even do something for the right reasons and the right motives and still miss Jesus Christ, our Messiah. The word was given to give life. Psalm 119 verse 50 says, this is my comfort in my affliction for your word has given me life. Well, pastor, with all that in mind, who do you believe wrote the book of Hebrews? <laughs> 
I believe Paul wrote it, and I believe Luke translated it into Greek. And I believe if I'm wrong, the book still stands on its merits. And we're going to study it, asking God to change our hearts and our minds and to make us most useful for the gospel, to impact our world with the love of Jesus Christ. But that's, what I, that's where I fall. The style of the book sounds like a Pauline epistle. You can compare it to some of the others, where he shares doctrine first and then application. But even so, we still want the Lord to speak. Let me, let me show you one thing of what Peter believed, what Peter saw about Paul. Would you turn over to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15? Of course, you guys that studied Peter with us, you're familiar with this passage. But let me just show you one thing as we head out. And you kind of chew on and start reading the book, start reading the chapters. We'll, we'll go a little bit slow in the beginning. But look at what, let's be reminded of what Peter had to say about Paul's teachings in chapter 3 of 2 Peter, verse 15. Actually, let's go to verse 14 for the context of the sentence. He says, Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found in him in peace, without spot and blameless. And account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother, what does your Bible say? Paul. So now he's talking about Paul. He's a contemporary. Our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, look, speaking in them of these things in which are some things are hard to understand. I think that's a possible reference to the book of Hebrews. Some things that are hard to understand, which those that are untaught and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the rest of the scriptures. And so Hebrews, we're going to tackle some things hard to understand. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, he's going to lead us and guide us and speak to us. We have the Holy Spirit to help us with the difficulties of God's Word so we don't miss the main point, that Jesus is better than religion and wants a relationship with us. He died and rose to provide it, and it's yours for the asking. You're listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor, and the first of many studies in Hebrews is called Your Faith and Trust in God is Important. Hear it again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed, today you encouraged us not to argue over things that don't matter. So how do we distinguish between what may be important but not essential? You know, Larry, that's a great question because it seems like in the environment that we're in right now and the way the world is, the level of politics and issue, it seems like everybody has become experts in arguing about everything. And it's just not God's heart for us to be involved in all these different arguments. And I think of a couple things to the, when I think of what's essential and important. You know, is what we're talking about eternal? Is it essential? And is it exceptional? Like, is it really what we're talking about? Is it really going to add to our heart to fulfill the Great Commission to go into all the world and make disciples? And so arguing about whether... Uh, the gift of tongues is for today or not. I mean, again, it is a secondary doctrine, but is it is it going to be eternal? Is it going to matter for all of eternity? No. Usually the, the arguments, too, are just about things that only matter to believers. And, you know, we want to stand strong for what's essential. We want to stand strong for the character and nature of God. 
for the eternality and efficacy of his word. Uh, we want to stand in uh, strong uh, with doctrines like the Trinity, like the virgin birth. But I mean, man, are we going to argue about whether we should wear face coverings or not? Are we going to argue whether we, you know, what Bible version do you use? I mean, come on, let's get on with what God has called us to do in the short amount of time that we're here on the earth. Great question. Thanks for asking. Mm, that's very helpful. Thanks for sharing that. Wouldn't you like to experience revival and power in your life? Well, we picked out an excellent book this month that can help you get on that road. It's The Calvary Road by Roy Hessian. This classic book has helped millions experience personal revival with Jesus Christ. When you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of The Calvary Road. Give us a call at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Glad you've taken time out for our study in Hebrews. Join Pastor Ed Taylor all week long as we continue to learn how to live by God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 